Greetings and welcome to a slightly downcast edition of Down the Blindside at the Rugby World Cup, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. And I'm Brandon Fanning of the Sunday Independent. On this week's show, we pass judgment on an Ireland campaign that ended all too suddenly on Sunday afternoon and ask if there was anything more that could have been done to achieve the stated goal of a semi-final. One way of rationalising the disappointment, I guess, is to remember that it could have been worse. You could have been supporting England at this World Cup, or indeed France, or you could be Scottish, in which case you're probably still raging after victory was plucked from your grasp by a refereeing error. So we'll be asking Craig Chalmers, the former Scotland out half, for his take on what was a heartbreaking defeat. We'll check in on the Guinness Pro 12, where the provinces had a mixed weekend, and we'll be announcing the winner of our Ulster Bank League Player of the Week. There's also our weekly competition, courtesy of DID, but of course, it will take a while to rinse this out of our system. Joaquin Tuchelet's try 10 minutes from the end was the point of no return for an Irish team that had been outplayed in the quarterfinal. And it left you feeling a bit numb, Bren, yeah? Numb to the point that, as I was driving in here this morning, uh, I saw a sign that said, Irish Rugby Village, George's Dock. Mm. So I don't exactly think that'll be thronged this weekend. It wasn't in, in... on a numbness scale, wasn't in the same bracket as 07, which I thought was devastating, even though the expect, expectation levels would have been kind of similar this time around. Uh, and it was certainly different to uh, 2011 against Wales. 99, what about 99? Oh yeah, no, I've managed to park that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 as the week progresses, I'm afraid it does get a bit worse. Yeah. Um, about you. Well, we, I suppose we knew all along, and we said it, that we'd need some luck with injuries. But to get to a quarterfinal and then to be outskilled, to be outwitted, and even, you could argue, outpassioned at the top of the game, that, that's a little bit hard to take. You know the way when we get up early to the press box before a game and you're sitting there and you have the binocs and you're, you're trying to pick up stuff and you're looking at the way the teams warm up and seeing if anybody is doing anything different to normal. The Ireland team looked like they were... It, it, there were no warning signs, there were no alarm bells ringing. And then once the game started and started badly, it was as if they were spectating and looking at each other thinking, this isn't the way the script was, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Whether that, I guess that may well have been a leadership issue and it is inescapable that some of the leaders have been removed from the equation. Yeah. Um, what I found odd was to be... When you're playing under a closed roof, you lose all temporal sense. But it was still one o'clock Sunday lunchtime. And when you've when you've already had the experience of when you've been blown away by that number of Irish supporters at a game, as happened the previous Sunday, when it happens again, I suppose it kind of loses its, its impact to some extent. And when you watch the anthems, it was the Argentinians who were, yeah. who were emotional. And um, you wonder if... Because they had, a, I suppose you could you could argue they had a sort of a, an easier run into the game. They could build their emotional, uh, they could build up emotionally. Maybe, for it. yeah. But but on the same point, they had an easy run into the game. So what's the first thing you want to do? You're playing against a team who had three handy matches. So the first thing you want to do, surely in the first ten minutes, 
is flared. It absolutely get all over them, and I couldn't. I couldn't get to grips. Certainly with the first try, we had uh, a D line with five men on their feet in position, ready to go, and they had three men on that side of the field waiting for the ball to come out. And we go soft, and I'm thinking, Jesus, what's going on here? Yeah. Listen, there was there was some brilliant footwork and, and timing from from Cordero, but you had that that move actually broke down and it was regenerated by, by Fernandez lobby. You know, so it, it wasn't like the the defensive line was was taken by surprise. Mm. It was just bad organisation and and lack of line speed, which, yeah. is, which is amazing when you when you consider that you know where the Argentinian strength is. You know they're going to try and attack you there, given that Italy had some joy in those wide channels against us. So. That's what's hard to take is that, um, as we say, they, they exploded out of the blocks and they, and we didn't prepare ourselves for what should, we should have known was coming. There are, I'm, I'm waiting to hear what Joe Schmidt makes of the whole thing. You know, it'll be later this week, maybe, when he, when he gets around to that. Um, and it'll take him a while to rationalise it. I'd say he's probably watched it about 10 times already. I've only watched it once Um and I tried to watch it thinking the way he would think and looking for things that had gone wrong. And he will be, I've no doubt he'll be looking to discreetly throw Garces <laughs> under the bus. Well, he'll have way. a dossier. Yeah. He'll have a dossier. Um, Certainly, the, if, if there were, you know the way things go wrong early in a game, you say, you know, if that had just gone slightly different, there could have been a complete momentum shift. The torpedo tackling, there were a couple of blatant instances of torpedo tackling that weren't picked up. Lavanini. Lavanini. Lavanini yeah. um, and you could see he was, he was, you know, putting the hard crossways on a couple of the Irish players the way he was going in. Well, yeah. We, Chris Henry looked startled at one point. Yeah, well, the one good thing about the press box in, in the Millennium, the, the one at, at pitch level, yep. is that you do get a sense of what it's like. You do hear the crunch, and it, he, it was scary that you got a, a six foot seven, kind of 200 kilo guy throwing himself in. When, when you say a torpedo tackle, you're with no arms whatsoever. Yep. He's a, aiming at ankles, shins, and. Uh, yeah, that would that would uh, set your heart sideways, and it would, as a referee, be something you'd be looking for. You would have thought. And he's not a good referee. Um, no, they wouldn't have been dancing a jig when when he got the appointment because he hadn't refereed the hindmost foot against Italy, and the scrum had been a mess in that game also. Um, and he was lost at the scrum this time. In fact, I think he gave Mike Ross two penalties which should have gone the other way. Yeah, we were blessed at a couple of them, all right. Yeah. Listen, uh, we have to give the Argentinians credit as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. They played great rugby. And f- uh, funny enough, we were lucky enough to be there on the Saturday night watching the All Blacks, which was just fantastic. Hmm. And uh, the common denominator, I guess, was Graham Henry in that we came back 12 or 14 hours later to watch the Pumas play a similar style of game yeah. and play it really, really well. Yeah. And Henry, of course, has been... Yeah, how lucky were the Argies that that they got into the rugby championship rather than into the Six Nations? Yeah, because that they would have just carried on as they were, hoofing the ball in the air, looking for scrums. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas they are, I mean, we had some advance warning having been on tour there a couple of summers ago that they had some some ball players. They are genetically like the South Africans; they're genetically built for rugby, but now they've got skills as well. And there's so many of those guys going to be back at the next World Cup. Um, now our lads. Uh, not all of them would be back at the next World Cup, and they were naturally pretty devastated afterwards. We caught up with a couple of them in the mix zone. Um, well, ultimately, you know, I think we couldn't we couldn't really attack them. They were coming off line and, and, and chopping us down, and we weren't able to get across the game line, which affected our rocks, which usually is something we were so good at. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you, look, you look up at the scoreboard and you think 17 points, how on earth has that just happened so quickly? Um, and that's, that's what Castellini is real sort of positive and taking the game that always did show character to come back and you know fight our way back into the game. Um, I thought that that started the second half and we scored it. I really thought we were going to do it still. Um, but ultimately, look, you're playing the quality side. I, I think Argentina have the team there to, to do some real damage now for the rest of this tournament. And uh, just for us as a player group, as I said, it's you know the fans have been amazing this whole campaign. Um, the way the fall was ruined. Um, and it's just that's tough that you know we've, as a player group we don't feel like we really did ourselves justice today. And as I said, you just it's the time and the effort that a lot you know this has been going for. Okay, that we met up uh, in June, but ultimately this has been going for two years to build up this squad. And uh, for the players that got injured last week and the players that are weren't picked for fighting to get on the squad at home, you know it's just it's, it's hard. Um, as I said, because everyone's given so much in it, and uh, yeah, I don't know really what else to say. Well, I guess the first thing is just to try and get away from it for a bit. I think most of the players will get a week off at least um, and try regroup. And um, look, I think most of the squad were pretty. You were being around the block, I guess, as well. And um, there's things that happen in life, much there will be pitch that, that you knock you down. And, and uh, you know, it's the Irish character, I guess, that we get back up again and we keep going. And that's ultimately what um, I've no doubt that everyone will do. Like it's it's bitterly disappointing. You know we came here to create history and be the first team to get a semi-final. You know, we felt we were ramping up nicely through the tournament with a big performance last week and um, you know, I think it'll be, I thought four years ago was hard to take but I think today, you know, it's, it's harder because, you know, we had such an unbelievable support. We trained really well during the week and just, I think, the first quarter, 17 points against a team like Argentina. You just can't bridge that, even though we got very close to it. Look, I think we probably just stood off them a little bit, um, and we weren't as uh, intense and and the line speed and as ruthless as we were last week. Um, you know, it's hard to know. They took their tries pretty well, but you know, I think from us, we'll be disappointed to to go down 17 points so quickly. And um, like I say, it was an unbelievable effort, and, and credit to the sort of the backbone that this squad has to, to claw our way back to, to nearly to get into a draw or push on to the lead. But against a team like Argentina 17 points as it proved was just too much Rory Best there you'd have to have some sympathy for someone like him wouldn't you Brian I mean, that, that was his last shot at a World Cup uh, his third attempt yeah and he's a fellow who would command a lot of respect uh, inside the squad and outside it um, so that that's that's tough going on him and you'd argue that he was one of the guys who led the fight back as well yeah um, as he had done, if you remember, back in, in, in Wellington four years ago, and we never gave him any chance of playing in the game because the shoulder was hanging off him after the Italian game. And he went out and played really, really well. And then, to his credit, fetched up to the mix zone afterwards and did that side of his duty, which is, in the circumstances, a difficult thing to do, as indeed it'll be difficult now for Schmidt to pick up the pieces. So where does he start? Yeah, well, he'll go into a, into a Six Nations, which will won't feel quite so special. This is your opportunity, Once comes around once every four years. Um, what does he learn, apart from the fact that you, what has he learned, I should say, rather than don't lose your best players to injury or suspension? Yeah, um, I think he'll. there'll be a forensic re-examination of the way we defended and there'll be a forensic examination of the build-up and why it was that we spent 15 minutes uh, struggling to get into the game. There must be some rational explanation for that that wasn't immediately apparent to us. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he what he makes on that one. Also, the way we we play the game. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, if you look at that that second try, um, he'll probably make the point that it was an offload from Luke Fitzgerald to Jordy Murphy. Point is that if you look at Luke Fitzgerald went into contact like somebody looking for a rook, mm. and then he realised two forwards had actually got in each other's way, and he just kept ploughing through. Uh, we're in we're a team in search of the next rook. Which isn't yeah. the way that rugby is supposed to be played, yeah. certainly by the Southern Hemisphere teams. Yeah, so I mean that's the lesson that's coming out of this, um, is to find that balance between uh, offloading from a position of strength that's going to help your attack and throwing the ball away because you feel you're getting battered. And certainly he has been absolutely rigorous in holding on to the ball and the way to hold on to the ball is to resource your rooks and don't consider chucking it away. So that's another yeah. thing he may revisit. Um Another World Cup where we have one outstanding performance to, to recall. Um, this was obviously against France. Uh, any other positives? I suppose the two two players who have gained hugely from the experience would be the two H's, uh, yeah. Henderson and Henshaw. Henshaw was great. Yeah, yeah. He really has a head for the big day, and he's a he's a he's a great competitor. So. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. The, we were talking earlier on about, about the downside to it. The downside, the biggest downside for me is that this week could have been the biggest in the history of, of a profile for Irish rugby. Mm. It would have been absolutely immense. Uh, the whole country would have been tuned into it. And you can't put a value on that. And similarly, when you don't get that, when it, it's gone down the pan... Um, yeah, you heard it. You heard it in the in the radio bulletins yesterday morning. People were talking. Oh well, we've always got Bosnia to look forward to. Yeah, you know, it's the next <laughs> the next event that we can we can we can hop on board. Um, but to get to have got to a semi final to have been the if we if we were say the only Northern Hemisphere team that that sense of being a little bit special in this part of the world has been taken away. We're just definitely time so, to reassess. Time to reassess. Competition time. Each week throughout the World Cup, DID Electrical have kindly offered a €100 voucher for any of their 22 stores around the country. To be in the mix this week, answer the following question. Only one Northern Hemisphere country has won the Rugby World Cup. Is it A, France, B, England, or C, Bosnia-Herzegovina? Answers as usual to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. Rugby isn't always top of the news agenda in Scotland, but South African referee Craig Joubert has managed to put it there. We're joined now by former Scotland and Lions out half, Craig Chalmers. Craig, how are you? Very good, thanks. Well, I could be better. Yes, I'm sure you could. I imagine if the South Africans had a consulate in Edinburgh, there'd be a, a march on it. Uh, how bad are things up there? We've all been on the wrong end of uh, crucial decisions in crucial games, but... You know, I, I think it's just so disappointing after 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 you know we got so close to lose it in in that manner. Uh, you know, just got absolutely gut wrenching. There were uh, there were a couple of decisions that went against you, Craig. There was the the card for Sean Maitland for what didn't look like a deliberate block down, and then there was the inverted commas offside penalty at the end. You didn't really get much luck, did you? No, we didn't get much luck. Uh, you know, that was definitely not a yellow card. It wasn't even a penalty. Sean's hand was open. He was trying to flick it up. Family's hand was facing up the way, not down the way. So yeah, it was definitely not a yellow card. It was it was it was a knock on. It was a scrum. But they took you know, to Australia. They they're very clever and they took advantage of it. 
and they played down back on that wing where he 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 would have been to defend, but he obviously wasn't there, and uh, they scored a try. And then obviously there's the you know the, the big crucial decision at the end, which you know it came about because we lost a line out. We 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 were inaccurate with a with a line out. Um, we should just throw it in the front, keep it simple, just catch it, you know, take it down, couple of phases, kick it out, game done. But we couldn't do that, unfortunately. And obviously the, the drama that, that happened afterwards with uh, the ball bouncing about, Hardy knocking it on, then Phipps, it never even hit. I've, I've, watched the, I've watched it a number of times now, and the ball never actually hit Strauss. It, Phipps tried to flick it back. He tried to play, play that the ball, trying to get back on his side and then uh, John Welsh caught it. Um, it should have been a scrum. You know, to, to Craig Jaberk, he, he can't refer that, unfortunately, to the TMO. He should be able to, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to refer it to TMO. TMO. And uh, and they give a penalty. He actually put his hand up for a, a scrum at first. That's certainly what it looked like. And then it went from there. Then the Aussie guys started shouting, uh, at him for a penalty, and he he, he made it into a, a penalty. So yeah, it was just so hard to take. The boys had played so well, you know. They they had a go, and I'd spoken to them during the week in, in the hotel, and they were all up for it. You know, they were really all up for it. You know, I was proud to be a Scotsman Saturday watching, you know, my country in the World Cup, and it just so close, but you know, just just wasn't to be. Craig, do you think? In the in the light of this, that World Rugby will revisit the protocol around TMO and maybe throw in a, um, a captain's challenge or something, particularly in the last five minutes of a game when the teams are neck and neck going down the final straight. Yeah, I'm not sure it's captain's challenge, but just you know, situations like that, I, I still think, and many people have said that you know, something like Nigel Owens, it's a crucial decision. You know, it's a point scoring, a point scoring match winning situation. You've got to be able to prefer that. You know, special circumstances. To, to the TMO to just to check it just to make sure what he saw was right um, and I'm not blaming Craig Joubert you know if he'd, be able, if he'd be able to refer that I think he, I think he would have preferred it but he didn't allow to refer it uh, unfortunately but it's just what he saw it all happened so quickly and you know it wasn't, I would hate to be a referee I'll slag them off but it's a tough job I see the World Rugby have done more than slag him off now. They've, they've thrown him under the bus. Uh, I doubt, does this ease <laughs> Scottish pain at all? They've thrown, him under, they've thrown him under the bus and then they've gone over them and then they've reversed back again. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, he, he is one of the, you know, the best referees in the world, supposedly. Um, I, would, I would maybe argue that a little bit. I think Nigel Owens is probably the best. Uh, and I like Wayne Barnes, but you know, listen, he's he's you know, he's he's made a mistake. You know, it's a human error. It's human error, and people make mistakes. And it's you know, he's he's like a, you know, players miss kicks a goal. I mean, Brendan Foley miss kicks a goal, but he got the one that counted at the very end. And he got the opportunity. You know, listen, so many mistakes made in sport. It's 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 hard. It's really hard. It's really really hard to take. You know, as a Scotsman, um, as a rugby fan. You want to see the team that deserves to win win the game, but it doesn't always work that way, as we all know. I wonder, is there a, um, some positive knock-on to this, Craig, in that you guys were winless in the Six Nations and yet went closer to the semis of the World Cup than any of the other home countries? So is there a is there a wholesale turnaround in Scotland's rugby fortunes? 
I think it's a great group of players at the moment, and it's a, young, it's a fairly young group of players. This group of players, apart from maybe one or two, will go right through to the next World Cup, and that's when we'll see the best out of this group. They were a little bit unlucky in the Six Nations' first two games against France and Wales, not to get a couple of wins, or at least one win there. And then if they won one of those games, they probably went on to beat Italy. So, you know, we had a bad Six Nations as far as results were concerned, but there were uh, shoots of recovery there. We, we, showed, we played a lot of good stuff. We were scoring some tries. Um, and I think we showed uh, even more progress in the World Cup. We showed a lot of composure at times. Yeah, I guess we should show a little bit more composure in our last last couple of minutes against Australia. But uh, you know, we're learning, and I mean, there's a lot of young players in there um, that I know fairly well. Will you know they'll be they'll be stronger for it. They'll be stronger for it. They'll be more experienced, and hopefully they'll learn from it from the experience. And then we win that situation again. We will hopefully uh, hopefully come out on top. Craig, if we could just look at things uh, briefly from a, a Northern Hemisphere point of view, uh, there's a lot of doomsday talk about us being spectators at the business end of a, of a World Cup that's uh, taking place on our own doorstep. What, what do you make of that talk? Just, I think, yeah, but you look at you look at the Welsh game as well. Wales are Wales are playing with uh, half a team. Most of the backs are injured. They could have, should have beaten South Africa, but again, it's a little bit it's, it's composure. Um, you know the the young substitute um, scrum half that came on. Um, I can't remember, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Scrum half that came on, the Cardiff boy. He 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 panicked and he got caught, which led to the uh, turnover ball and the scrum that so that that the, the scrum that uh, Stafford got. So you know little things, little things you know, make a big difference in these games and this key decision making, um, accuracy at times. Wales. Wales should be more accurate in the first few minutes and have scored one or two tries, but they weren't. So there's there's the skill level there that we've got to catch up with, especially with the New Zealanders and Australians. Not so much for the South Africans, but I think the Argentinians are also developing a game. I think at the moment the Argentinians are the top offloaders in the World Cup, um, which tells you exactly um, you know the way they try to play the game now. They, they've got away they've got away from the ten man rugby they used to play. So they're developing playing the rugby championship down in the southern hemisphere, and you know that's the answer. It's a real warning to you know to us. Yeah, you're right, Craig. I I think that there's a lot of people over here now talking about attacking. Um space rather than running into people and the offload stat that you mentioned is one that we're, we're, we're look, looking at here regularly I guess the Six Nations will be our next opportunity to have a look at how much or if rugby in this part of the world changes until then and maybe we'll catch up with you then you're very good to join us and thanks a lot for your time No worries, thanks, cheers Robert. cheers, take care guys Competition time. Each week throughout the World Cup, DID Electrical have kindly offered a €100 Euro voucher for any of their 22 stores around the country. To be in the mix, answer the following question. Only one Northern Hemisphere country has won the Rugby World Cup. Is it A, France, B, England, or C, Bosnia-Herzegovina? Answers as usual to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. Okay, to the Pro 12. While the Rugby World Cup has been demanding our attention elsewhere, the the Pro 12 has been rolling along, minding its own business. We're coming into round five this week. 
Last weekend, Munster had a bonus point win over Cardiff and Cork with Ian Keatley as the man of the match, and that puts them top of the table. Their meeting with second place Scarlets on Friday is clearly the game of this coming weekend. As for Scarlets, they had a relatively comfortable victory over a young Leinster side. Um, they were leading 22 0 at one stage with Noel Reid in the bin. So for Leinster to drag it back to 25 14 and deny the Scarlets a bonus wasn't too bad going, though. It does mean they slipped to seventh in yeah. the table. Yeah, Connacht are now in fourth with three out of four uh, after a, a bonus point victory at home to Zebra. Ulster in fifth after losing 10-16 in Edinburgh. Just this weekend, it, on Friday, it's that game Scarlets v Munster in Cork, uh, Ulster v Cardiff and Leinster v Glasgow at the ODS. On Saturday lunchtime, it's Ospreys v Connacht. Ulster Bank League. Yes. Standout result from the weekend. Clap yourself on the back. Belvo 19 zip over Lansdowne at Anglesey Road. Bit of enthusiasm, please, Brian. Yeah, Come well, on there. well, I bumped into their coach, uh, Paul Cunningham, last night, mm-hmm. uh, watching a 20s game, and he was typically understated, but I, I could... <laughs> he beneath, told me they missed out in a few tries, actually. Beneath all the understatement, he did seem quite happy with the way they were going and uh, with some justification. There were a couple of notable away victories. Terry Neuer, 2018 in Belfield over UCD and Cons beating Tarf 15-14. Ouch. Anyway, having consulted our spies at Anglesey Road uh, last Friday, this week's Ulsterbank League Player of the Week goes to Belvo hooker Eddie Rossiter, recently arrived from UL Bowes and making his presence felt by all accounts. So well done to you, Eddie. Open your eyes and ears to an awesome autumn of sport with DID Electrical and you could win a €1,000 Samsung 4K Curve TV. Just spend €100 or more in any DID Electrical store or online at DID.ie. There's one amazing Samsung 4K Curve TV to be won every day. Be in it to win it every day at DID Electrical. Terms and conditions apply. See in store for details. AOB, uh, we mentioned just there that uh, Zebra were in Galway at the weekend. One player who wasn't allowed to play or wasn't able to travel was former Leinster out-half Ian McKinley. And that's because of regulations in France, England and Ireland which prevent uh, players from using the, the goggles that he wears since uh, losing the sight in one eye a few years back. Um, Do you know why? Uh, I I guess it's because of the sort of torpedo tackling we were talking about earlier on, or no, I don't get it, and I'm waiting to hear some rational explanation as to the health and safety issue to either the player with the goggles or the player tackling the player with the goggles as to why somebody can't wear these things. I just don't get that. No, it doesn't doesn't make sense. But we're happy to say we'll have we'll have Ian on yes. the show over the, in the next couple of weeks uh, to explain the situation and hopefully to help rectify the situation. And we may even have young AJ McGinty on the show in the near future, seeing as he has used the World Cup yeah. as a vehicle to get into Connacht, which is an unusual route, but there you go. Yeah. Well done to him. Blackrock to West Coast, uh, West Coast America. And to now West Coast, Coast of Ireland. <laughs> well done. Well done to AJ. Um, now, any plans for the weekend, Brent? I'm still looking at the eye-watering prices Aer Lingus are charging to go to London and having... Second thoughts about the semi on Saturday. I'm not having second thoughts about Leinster and Glasgow on Friday night. I'll definitely start with that and then I'll see how my weekend develops. You, okay. I'm sure, are... Yeah, I'm going to Twickenham and looking forward to seeing the All Blacks again. It was it was a privilege to, to watch them mm. last Saturday night, even if it wasn't a privilege to watch France. 
Um, predictions. Predictions. Well, I thought it was it was interesting that the move that that took South Africa away from Wales was actually a clever bit of back row play from uh, from Dwayne from Mullen. An offload and uh, brutal defence. Well, not brutal defence, but very poor defence. What was Cuthbert? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, generally, though, you would you wouldn't think the South Africans bring the same wit. They might bring physicality, but they don't bring the sort of wit. No, they'll be found out. They'll be found out by the Kiwis. And on Sunday, unfortunately, we won't be there. It's intriguing, though. It is intriguing. Would uh, it make you feel any better if Argentina won? No. Uh, well, I suppose a tiny bit, but I think the Aussies realised that they didn't just dodge a bullet against the Scots, they dodged a whole firing squad and they will spend the whole week trying to fix that. Uh, you know, having seen the Aries in 2007 when they got a role in that World Cup, when they're they're incredibly spirited, when their things are going well, they're, they're, it's a brilliant camp to be mm. around. Like so I'd imagine their spirits would be soaring going into this weekend. So I just can't wait to see if the game that they're playing now is good enough to put the Aussies away. Well, it looks like being another brilliant game in what has been a brilliant World Cup so far. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be here again next week to discuss it all on Down the Blind Side, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. And I'm Brendan Fanning of the Sunday Independent. And we look forward to your company then. <laughs>